0: Hey, Vanessa, where are you today?
1: Caroline, I am walking around in the fortress of Sutro Park in San Francisco, overlooking the Pacific Ocean and maintaining a minimum of six feet away from all equal wanderers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Thank you for doing your part in social distancing. I am in my bedroom. Neither of us are at Cobalt HQ today, which is where we normally do our podcast from.
1: Yeah, that's right. We're really adopting the uh, remote work scalability. Yes. So
0: I have been meaning to ask you, what has it been like since you joined Cobalt? What do you think about this podcast that we're hosting?
1: Yeah, so Cobalt has been amazing. I did not expect to find the kind of community that I found here in our company. I moved out to San Francisco uh, six months ago for this job and feel like I just have really connected with you know everyone we work with. And it's been just incredible. And I've had an amazing time learning about startups and our industry and uh, on that front, it's just it's been a great journey.
0: We are so thrilled to have you on the team, and I'm so glad to hear that you feel that way. Now that you and I are running the Humans of Infosec podcast, I'm curious to know what you think about it.
1: So, I love the Humans of Infosec podcast. I have been doing podcasts professionally since I graduated from college, and. Seeing Humans of InfoSec from Cobalt and listening to you when we first started talking about this job was part of the reason why I was so interested in joining the team. I think it's great. It's given me and a lot of other people tremendous exposure into sort of the lives of people who are seasoned professionals in InfoSec. Mm -hmm. But Caroline, I got to tell you something. I've noticed that there's something missing from the podcast.
0: Oh, what's that? I'm very interested in your feedback.
1: I've noticed that we are interviewing people who have like 10, 15, even 20 or 30 years of experience in InfoSec, and they have so much to tell us about their experiences, and they offer really good advice. But I think the industry is changing so rapidly, and InfoSec is not the same as it was 10 years ago, five years ago, or even six months ago. And there's a whole trove of people who have recently entered the industry that I think also have really unique perspectives on what's happening in InfoSec and how to break into it now. And I think it would be great if we could give um, those emerging voices a platform to you know, offer their own insights and observations.
0: Vanessa, I love that idea. I think that, you know, with Humans of InfoSec, we really are trying to provide a perspective and a window into people and their stories and their experiences. And I would love to be a little bit more inclusive in this particular way. And I really like that term that you used. Emerging Voices. Maybe we could do like a sub-podcast or a sub-series. I don't know what you would call it exactly, but in addition to our traditional humans of InfoSec, maybe we could add something new, call it Emerging Voices, and maybe you could be the host.
1: I'm totally down for that. I think it's a great
0: idea. Excellent. Excellent. So since you're going to be our new host, maybe what I can do today for our listeners is we can try out this new format and I think we'll do something a little bit different for our Emerging Voices guests. And Vanessa, if you're up for it, I'd like to ask you as our new Emerging Voices host to also be our new Emerging Voices first guest. Let's do it. I'm excited. Okay, fantastic. (laughs) So I've got some rapid fire questions to ask you and we'll just, we'll just go for it. Cool. Let's do it. Wonderful. Vanessa, can you please tell me a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Where are you based right now? What are your passions and interests?
1: I born in New York, but I'm from the larger Washington DC area. I moved to San Francisco about six months ago to join our startup Cobalt, which is a pen testing as a service company. And my passions outside of InfoSec are actually really weird. Um, I'm a very small but feisty person. And so I really love practicing Krav Maga in my spare time and also jujitsu. I recently uh, started a studio as a white belt. And I also uh, have been working on this like huge novel for like three years now that is a massive geopolitical fantasy novel about trees. And so those are my passions and interests outside of InfoSec.
0: Phenomenal. You know, you describe yourself as small and feisty. I personally would describe you as badass and powerful. So I <laughs> that out there.
1: Thanks, I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) All right, back to our emerging voices questions. Vanessa, what's your current role in information security? Tell our listeners a little bit about what you do.
1: So I'm a security strategy analyst at Cobalt. Basically, that means I do a lot of research, writing and analysis related to application security and pen testing. Some of the most Recent research that I've conducted has been around the kinds of vulnerabilities that humans can find versus machines, and I'm preparing different ways of disseminating that information uh, through Cobalt's platform and papers and, and conferences.
0: Amazing. Vanessa, I was so thrilled to see your presentation at B-Sides on the IMAX theater screen, no less. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, just so, so pumped to have you on the team and so thrilled to be working with you. What did you do before you were at Cobalt?
1: Do you want, so do you want the long answer or the short answer? The long answer, of course. Okay. Okay. Word. (laughs) So basically I when I was in college, I truly had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I spent most of my time potting about in general, just just not really uh, being focused. Uh, I had a vague interest in national security, but I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't really know what to do with it. I lived in China for a little bit while I was in school, I lived in Shanghai. And when I was getting ready to graduate from college, I heard about this thing called a think tank. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. I don't know exactly what I want to do, but it sounds like it would be fun to sit around and just think of things. So I ended up getting a job working at the Brookings Institution in DC. And I was doing a lot of work podcasting actually, and working on our website development and helping us with sort of crisis communications issues. At the time that I started my job, Trump had just been elected. And there was a lot of writing from Brookings about the national security implications uh, of Trump's election. And that got me really interested. Uh, I started to ask myself, you know, what does it mean? What are the national security implications for an administration? And, and what are these topics that people are, are engaging in concerning national security and specifically cybersecurity? So at the time that this was happening, there was a publication associated with Brookings called Lawfare, and they were focused on national security law. Their associate editor got a temporary position as a a writer and an editor of the Washington Post. And Lawfare needed someone to fill in. I immediately jumped on it and said, I want to work for you. I want to learn all of this really wonky technical stuff about national security. I want to be the editor for Lawfare. It was definitely a risk. Brookings was a really cushy job for me, and I could have stayed there for the rest of my life. Lawfare could only offer me employment for three months. So if I took the job working as an editor, it meant that I was going to have this amazing learning curve but have no job security at the end of the term. I decided to take the risk, and I ended up learning a ton about cybersecurity policy and cybersecurity law. And after my term wrapped up, I was hired to work on a nonfiction book about nation state actors um, or advanced persistent threats in the history of uh, the Department of Justice prosecuting uh, nation state cyber criminals. And that got me really interested in the technical side of cyber. I started to ask a lot of questions about, well, how did they actually hack, right? Like, what are the ways in which the Russians might hack into uh, United States infrastructure versus the Chinese? And from there, I was working at the Aspen Institute Cybersecurity Program. At the time, I was teaching myself uh, more and more about the actual practical elements of cybersecurity and realized that in order for me to learn more and to have more experience, I needed to make the jump into InfoSec itself, and landed at Cobalt.
0: Phenomenal. One of the things that I love about Humans of InfoSec, and that I expect we will see with emerging voices, is that everyone has a unique story. And even people who are my colleagues, who are my friends, whom I've gotten to know over the months and the years, whenever I interview them on a podcast, I actually learn something new about them. Uh, and so I love hearing your story uh, framed uh, the way that you just put it. Thank you so much for sharing that with us.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, so the, so the short explanation is I'm not entirely sure how I ended up in InfoSec, but I'm glad that I did. And it was a series of coincidence and risk.
0: Cool. Cool. <laughs> So what did you expect when you first entered the industry?
1: Um, So I'm not going to lie, coming from the nonprofit space, I expected a lot of bureaucracy. (laughs) In D.C., there's a lot of red tape around any action that needs to get done. I mean, even as something simple as like starting a new podcast requires like tons of conversations and paperwork, Um, if you want to like change the font on a white paper, like that needs to go through. Through like three layers of graphic design requests and then maybe you'll get approved um there's no room for innovation or learning and i didn't really know what to expect when i was when i joined cobalt as a startup and joined the industry but i sort of expected that there was going to be that level of bureaucracy in place it's not the case at all it's amazing like if you have an idea if you think there's something that's actionable that you can do that can help the company there are ways that you can do it really quickly. Um, things move so fast. People want to continue to learn and improve. And if there's a way to, to make the company better or to help or to introduce new ideas, there are always avenues for you to explore that. And that's one of the things I love. That's what keeps me going every day is, is knowing that there are always avenues for change and improvement.
0: So cool. I'm so, so glad. You know, I remember, um, I remember how I first found out about you. Um, one of our VPs had seen a message that Chenzi Wang, Dr. Chenzi Wang, posted on social media, um, and uh, she had talked about meeting you, um, and I was like, I really want to meet this person too, <laughs> uh, and I remember our first call, I was very you know, we were talking about this role. And at the time, it's not like I had a job description written down. Um, It was really just kind of an idea in my head. Um, And so ever since I've known you, it's just been sort of one fun opportunity after another to come up with an idea and make it happen. And I'm so thrilled that you came up with the idea for Emerging Voices. And here we are. We're making it happen.
1: Yeah, it's great. I love it.
0: Vanessa, what has surprised you the most about InfoSec?
1: Um, okay, so on a very real note, I think that there's definitely a level of sexism in InfoSec. And I've like heard a lot about it when I was in DC and working in nonprofits and sort of like touch the space, especially, and some of the work work I did with Aspen on like recruiting into cybersecurity and the issues with the talent shortage. But I definitely was surprised by like how tangible. It is, you know, in the industry, one of the clear examples was when I was trying to make the jump from DC to San Francisco and work in InfoSec, a lot of the men that I spoke to told me to go into marketing. And like almost every woman I spoke to in InfoSec was like, no, you can actually like do really good technical work and like, here's how you learn how to do it. And I think that's definitely been something I've noticed since I've started is a lot of times people like won't take women seriously. And that's definitely something that infuriates me, but also motivates me to just be better and to continue to grow and improve and sort of prove everyone wrong. Um, But I was was definitely surprised by that.
0: I think that what I like seeing about this particular topic in the industry is that people are Acknowledging it, people are speaking to their experiences in a way that I think does increase awareness. And I think self awareness is the first step to improving any situation. Um, So I'm really glad you brought that up. I've certainly had my own experiences uh, in that direction uh, and really appreciate you sharing those with us today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I've also noticed since I've joined the industry is there's a ton of conversation about recruiting women into the industry and like a lot of conferences are around it and a lot of roundtables. Like there's definitely conversation about what's going on. But the thing that I think is missing is actually providing technical skills for women. So like actually providing the resources that they need to be able to like get into these jobs that they want to get into, to get certifications, to learn programming languages, to, to take certain classes. And i I've always said that I think the best way to improve the workforce shortage is to not only talk about it, but also to provide tangible skills for marginalized groups so that they walk away feeling um, even more empowered.
0: Word. I am super excited about the project that you're working on right now to actually share with other folks your story about how you're learning to hack web applications. I think it's amazing that you've taken that sort of humble learning project upon yourself as well as that you're willing to share it with others.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many free resources out there or even ones that are like relatively low cost. And I think if we just get the word out and share it, it just, it gives everyone more opportunities to learn and I'm all for that.
0: Amazing. So we've talked through some of your expectations and some of the surprises. What are some of the challenges you've faced as you've entered the industry? And what are some of the challenges that you face now?
1: I think, um, I think imposter syndrome is definitely something that's, uh, that plagues many of us who, who have recently entered the industry. There are people who have been in InfoSec for decades, you know, and they know their shit. They know it really, really well. And, um, I think it's really hard sometimes to see, to try and learn something in the industry and not feel inundated or overwhelmed with the amount of information that's presented to you. I think one of the greatest things about InfoSec is that there's a wide distribution of available resources to tap into to learn but it also can be really daunting. And when you've presented with information that is super dense or technical, or you know seems to be over your level, I think it's really hard to take a step back and think that you're not inadequate. And for me, that's definitely been one of the things I've been trying to check in myself is not feeling like I should give up because I don't understand everything, but to to break things apart into smaller pieces and try and tackle things step-by-step. I, I love in Jiu Jitsu, there are different stages of competence in Jiu Jitsu that they talk about. Uh, the first is unconscious incompetence, which is like you don't even know what you don't know. And then the second stage is conscious un- incompetence, and that's knowing what you don't know. And I think once you get to that stage of a conscious incompetence, knowing where you need to improve, you can start to break things apart in a much easier fashion and figure out exactly where you can improve, where you can learn and how you can make everything fit together. And, and that's the hard part is the, is the transition from unconscious incompetence to conscience incompetence. The transition I think can be really hard. And that's one of the challenges that I faced.
0: You know, I really like the advice and the approach that you've talked about here. I think that so many people struggle with imposter syndrome. uh, And I really like that you've got some really useful and very practical techniques that folks can use to think about it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's like one of the things I've actually thought about recently, since I've transitioned from like being really, really good at one sport, which is Krav Maga, to being, like, really, really bad at another, which is (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu. And, like, one of the things I realized is I actually don't like training with people who are, like, the best and know that they're the best because when you're working with a brown belt who, you know, sees your white belt and just sort of, like, throws you around and, like, tries all these complicated moves, neither of you are really learning anything from it. The best... Mentor the best experience is when you're working with someone who's like a blue belt or a purple belt who is Still has like a firm grasp of the fundamentals, but like still needs to learn how to teach it and apply it And you can sort of wiggle your way in and figure out like this person knows more than me But they also like need to learn too. and how can we learn together? And how can I apply, like, one little thing I've learned today when I'm rolling with this person? And for me, InfoSec is a lot like that. I don't want to, like, learn from someone who knows so much they don't even realize what the challenges are. I want to learn from someone who's, like, also still figuring this stuff out, too. And we can collaborate together.
0: I think that's awesome. And I think that speaks perfectly to the value proposition of something like Emerging Voices. You know, it's one thing for somebody who is new to the field to learn from somebody who's been in the field for multiple decades. And it's so different from learning from someone who might be just a couple of steps ahead of yourself. Vanessa, where do you see yourself in the next 5, 10, 15 years?
1: I see myself getting way, way deeper into the wormhole that is application security. One of the things I love about InfoSec is you peel back one layer and then there's like 12 more layers you didn't even realize. It's really a very rewarding profession for people who appreciate uh, puzzles and intellectual challenges and learning new things. And I definitely, I definitely one of those people where I go stir crazy if I'm not, if I'm not moving. Um, And I, I, see myself just continuing to get deeper and deeper into, um, into AppSec and learning more and doing more pen testing, but also like learning how to secure things better, right? Like what, you know, what exactly is secure coding and helping with system architecture and understanding how we can design things better to, you know, to stop these like really basic vulnerabilities that are coming out. And so I just see myself like continuing to go down that path.
0: As someone who's relatively new to the field, What do you think could or maybe should be changed in the field?
1: Could or should be changed in the field? Yeah, I think like the one thing that I mentioned earlier is enough talk. Like, let's provide actionable resources. Like, when I go to a diversity event, I don't really want another pair of socks. Um, Mm -hmm. I want you to like pay for Pentester Lab. Um, Like, I don't want another fancy moleskin. I have many fancy moleskins now, thanks to the events I've gone to. (laughs) <laughs> I want you to, like, actually, like, pay for people to, like, have a burp suite professional edition. Um, you know, if you are going to spend, you know, a ton of money on on diversity events, like, maybe consider spending that money on, like, sending someone to, like, a sand straining. I think there are plenty of ways that we can empower each other. And I'm, like, not entirely convinced that a bunch of swag is necessarily the way to go. So that's that's my two cents on the matter is like, let's actually allocate our resources in a way where people walk away feeling more empowered rather than just like wearing a comfy pair of socks.
0: Yes, I think that's brilliant. Vanessa, what advice do you have for people who may be listening to this podcast who want to enter the industry?
1: Uh, Network. I would say talk to every single person that you can. When I was interested in making the pivot from nonprofits to, to, to the industry, it was really hard for me to figure out exactly how to do that or where I needed to go. And the only way I was able to figure that out was by talking to people. If I like knew someone who knew someone who was in cyber, I would just be like, can you set me up? I wanna have coffee with this person. I wanna like find mentors. I was really proactive while I was studying security in the beginning, I was really proactive and just like reaching out to people and asking for advice. And I think that's the best way for anyone who's interested in the industry is to just like build a network and and people are open. Like people are not as much of assholes as you think they are sometimes. Like they can be really generous and, and, and kind and open hearted. And I think the best thing you can do is just reach out and find those people.
0: Cool. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for answering our emerging voices questions. I think that this format is going to be really fun and really exciting.
1: Yeah, I I do too. I'm really excited for it. I'm also super excited
0: about a bunch of the projects that you're working on. Um, I guess we can talk about those in future versions of the podcast. But for today, uh, I just want to say thank you and welcome as our new host of Humans of Infosec Emerging Voices. I am so excited to hear all of these future sessions.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to start talking to people. Thanks so much for letting me uh, host this podcast. My pleasure. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt.io, a pen testing as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.